The five pillars of the Spendthrift Trust. You know, there's a lot of people out there talking about the Spendthrift Trust, or, but they don't understand it. And I would say that if you want to have a basic understanding of how the Spendthrift Trust works and why, you have to understand the five pillars because they all are a essential part of the trust. Without them, you are not going to be able to get the tax savings, the legal tax reduction, and the asset protection that you want to be able to party like it's 1999 when it comes to worrying about lawsuits or you know, reducing your taxes. But first, before I get into this, I have to do uh, what my legal advisors tell me, which is to say a disclaimer that I'm not a licensed tax or legal advisor. I don't give tax, legal, or accounting advice. This information has been, paired, has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors before engaging in, in any transaction. So who am I? My name is Don Thorns and I'm a senior trust specialist. I'm a real estate investor. I've been doing real estate investing for 20 years. I've helped well over 3,000 homeowners in my period of time get out from under a bad mortgage uh, by doing a short sale. And listen, I own a trust. Okay, I, I'm not here, you know, saying do what I do what I say, not what I do. I put my money where my mouth is, and I have a trust. And my company, HB Funding Inc., has had a better has had an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau now since July of 2004. So that gives you pretty much an idea of how I live my life and I run my business with integrity. So let's talk about why do we need to have these five pillars in the trust? And it's very simple. This trust is a one IRS code 643B uh, uh, trust, which means that well, one of the things that you get is that any passive income that comes into the trust is not a taxable event. And it also gets you as close to 100% lawsuit proof asset protection as you can get. Now, the whole, the whole point of this trust is to be in compliance with IRS code 643. And that's where you get these amazing tax reduction, fully legal tax strategies. So let's talk about what these five pillars are. Because the, the, the name for this trust is uh, these five pillars. The first thing is this trust is a non-grantor trust. That means that if you're the trustee, you cannot create the trust yourself. You have to have someone called a settlor, S-E-T-T-L-O-R, that creates the trust for you. And that settlor uses his or her social security number to get the EIN number for your trust. So this trust is created completely without your direct involvement. And then once the trust is created by your settlor, then he or she is going to name you as the trustee, which makes this officially a, grant, a non-grantor trust. And I'm telling you, anybody can be your trust settlor. I mean, even this guy right here could be your, your, your the trust settlor. Personally, I paid, I paid a guy uh, 100 bucks to be my settler of the trust. He uses the IE number to register. Um, and, you know, this is what happens. Literally, all we did was we, we got the original application for the trust. His information was on there as a settler. And then when the trust documents came in, the trust book, then we just went to the local UPS store. And we, uh, he signed a total of seven documents. 
these documents came from my trust book. You know, like I said, he, uh, I was named a trustee and then he resigned. So that's really how easy it was. So the most important thing about this being a non-grantor trust is that the trust was created without my social security number and without my official participation, which makes it a non-grantor trust. So the second uh, pillar of this is it's the trust is irrevocable. Now, what does that mean? That means that you do not transfer your assets to the trust. You have to sell them irrevocably so that the trust owns the assets completely. Now, you're the trustee, so you control everything, but you do not own those assets. So these assets are sold irrevocably. So that's why this is called an irrevocable trust. So for example, you have, a, you, you say you're, you're a, a permanent, re, your primary residence. So you would sell this to the trust, meaning that you would do a bill of sale. And because it's real estate, then you would deed the property over to, uh, to the trust. Okay. So let's talk about a vehicle. So um, same thing, you do a bill of sale. Now these are private sales. So, you know, the bill of sale is not, is not uh, recorded anywhere. This is a private sale between you and the trust. Okay. So um, one, when you sell all of your assets, and this could be tangible property, could be intangible property, all, any asset whatsoever is put into a bill of sale and a list of all your assets. Okay. So you're going to have a master um, document that states, what your um, assets were, what they are, and what the sales price was to the trust, all right? And in exchange, the trust gives you what we call a demand note. You know, it could be called a return of capital. Uh, it, you know, for, for simplicity's sake, we can call this, you know, an IOU. So that in, in any kind of a, a transaction, there has to be consideration given. In this case, the trust is not going to give you uh, cash. It's going to give you the note. The note the man note, the IOU, that is the consideration for the trust, okay, for the sale of the assets. Now, the third pillar of this trust is that it's complex. This is a complex trust. And what this means is that the trust governing instrument, the trust itself, does not require that the trustee distribute income that comes into the trust to the beneficiaries. That is so important. If, you, if this was not a complex trust, none, none of this would work at all. It'd be like a house of cards, like dominoes just falling apart one by one. This is a key component of this to be able to get the tax reduction. And so I'm going to show you here, um, you know, that this is um, this trust, according to IRS 643B here, um, you know, this is what it says about this. It says, for the purposes of this subpart and subparts B, C, and D, the term income when not preceded by the words taxable, distributable net, undistributed, undistributed net, or gross means the amount of income of the estate or trust for the taxable year determined under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law. Items of gross income constituting extraordinary dividends or taxable stock dividends, which the fiduciary, in other words, the trustee, Acting in good faith determines to be allocable to the corpus of the trust under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law shall not be considered income. So in, with our trust, the trust governing instrument does not 
require the income to be distributed to the beneficiaries. Therefore, it is compliant. That's one of the reasons why it is compliant with IRS Code 643B, which allows the trust to have any passive income be determined to be an extraordinary dividend for the trust, and therefore it is not considered income. If it's not considered income, it's not taxable. Okay. Now, the fourth, the fourth pillar in this amazing trust is discretionary. The trust is discretionary, which means that the trustee has 100% discretionary power to control and maintain the assets in the trust and to declare that any, the passive income that comes into the trust throughout the year is an extraordinary, extraordinary dividend, which I just covered, but I'm going to review it here. Um, it basically means that the trustee manages the assets. Okay, So uh, what is an asset? Anything of value that you sold into the trust irrevocably, crypto, cars, uh, you know, real estate, uh, Forex, precious metals, whatever, whatever, coin, coin collections, stamp collections, whatever you have that has value that would generate a capital gains event if you sold it for a profit, that's an asset. And the trust ma trustee manages that on behalf of the beneficiaries. And so, again, coming back down to coming, you know, return, returning back to uh, the language of 643B, the trustee has 100% discretion to declare that pass passive income for the trust is an extraordinary dividend. And it says here, for purposes, and again, I'm quoting right from 643B, for purposes only of subpart B relating to trust which distribute current income only, there shall be excluded those items of gross income constituting extraordinary dividends or, or taxable stock dividends, which the fiduciary, the trustee, acting in good faith, does not pay or credit to any beneficiary by reason of his determination that such dividends are applicable to the corpus of the trust under the terms of the governing instrument and applicable local law. Okay. So our fifth and final pillar is the spendthrift pillar. We call, often call it the spendthrift trust. And what this allows to be to happen is that um, the trust gives as close to 100% asset protection as there is uh, lawsuit protection. You know, it's so powerful that it even protects from eminent domain uh, lawsuits from the government, uh, slip and falls. You're worrying about slip and fall accidents and, and scams. They're, they're a thing of the past uh, because, like I said, this pillar gives you 100% lawsuit asset protection. The only thing that can penetrate is if you are proven to be doing criminal or fraudulent activity. Okay. So um, I know for a fact that, uh, you know, there's a, 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 a personally, I know a rancher that had his property in a trust and the government said they wanted to run, put a highway through it. And he said, no. And they said, we're going to do him domain enforcement. He said, go ahead. Everything I own is in a spendthrift trust. And he was able to make them literally do the highway around his land instead of going straight through like, like they'd like to, because that's why. And then another thing, you know, a client of mine here in Florida, where I'm from recently, you know, he, uh, uh, some zealous attorney who didn't understand what a, a spendthrift trust was or a spendthrift provision was, uh, actually filed a lawsuit. And so he reached out to us and said, listen, what do we do? And we just, you know, we were able to um, consult with his local counsel, his local attorney, and say, tell them exactly what, um, you know, the, the, that attorney should say to the judge. And then that, that, you know, as soon as the judge was made aware that this was, a, you know, a spendthrift trust with a spendthrift provision, then it was all, the lawsuit was tossed. 
So just a, just as a review, these five pillars of this non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust, well, they give you lots more money that you keep in your in your account because you're not spending so much money on your taxes. It gives you protection from lawsuits, as I as I just mentioned. It gives you as un, unbeatable asset protection, and finally, it gives you it gives you peace of mind and excitement that all these things that used to haunt you or, or worry you. They're now taken care of because you have true peace of mind when you run, when you have this um, spendthrift, you know, non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust. I want to thank you for, uh, you know, being here and letting me educate you on how these five pillars of the trust work. And I look forward to talking to you at another time.